Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting Renewed Fountains, Day 8, beginning the second week, the second full week of 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And I hope this has been a blessing to you. And I hope that you're receiving something from the hand of the Lord. And I know you are. I know you are. Whatever measure, whatever you can do to participate in this, thank you. I hope you had a great weekend, saw some good things happen in your life, your family, your church family. So we welcome you. Nancy, Iris, I'm happy that you're here today. You guys, Morris, it's good to see you. And uh, Les, Nita, thank you. Hey, Vaughn, good to see you on board today. Okay, I got to tell you why I was a minute or so late. Yeah, yeah, because fast or no fast, just got to do a cup of coffee in the morning. And uh, Tessie is the faithful scribe, along with Yolanda and others here that keep track of things. And she needed her coffee. And I, I'm sorry, I was a minute late, but it's her birthday. Come on now, this is Tessie's birthday. Don't know how it happens. We've been married 43 years. She's only 39 years old. It's a mystery, a profound mystery. Yes, it is. So wish her a happy birthday. Roy, Lisa, Michelle, Mark, happy that you're here. Great prayer service yesterday here on Morning Devotion. We'll do that again this coming Sunday, the Lord willing, and giving us strength and uh, just looking forward to some good, good things today. And you know the news, you've seen the news, you well, you recognize what's happening. More and more people that you and I know, many that are on this Morning Devotion, many that be maybe right, right here, right now. Uh, affected by this latest uptick of the Omicron variant of this sickness that we have put up with now going into our third year. Can you believe it? You've seen the stats. You've seen this. You've seen the numbers. You've seen the charts. You've seen the graphs. You've heard the breathless reports that we're not going to make it out. But I, I just believe this morning devotion family, we've hung in there through through two years of pandic, pandemic or panic, whatever you call it, and um, we're going to make it. We're going to see it through. And I just believe with all of my heart that it's going to be conquered in this 21 days. I just believe it's high time. I believe that God, God is lifting a shield over us. So pray for those who are sick, uh, now, they're saying we're going to see the uptick probably peak in about a week or so. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that God is able. Amen. So thank you for being a part of this today. We're going to have a great time today. Um, we are following loosely the book on prayer and the day eight devotion in the book on prayer. When we pray, say some great teaching on the Lord's Prayer, the Believer's Prayer. I say great teaching, not because I wrote it, but because this is the Lord teaching his disciples. It was prompted. Luke 11, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just like John the Baptist taught his disciples. 
to pray. And so he said, when you pray, say. And in that devotion, I go through the elements of a successful prayer. I want to elevate one of those aspects to you today. Because to me, it is the innermost fountain of prayer. It's what keeps the fountain going. It's what keeps the wells from being clogged. Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive our trespasses. Yes, our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. I want to talk about renewed fountains. Yesterday, I mentioned rereading the book, Mayongi Cho, The Fourth Dimension. Cho is a leader of a massive prayer movement. People from around the world would converge at Seoul, Korea, to the largest church in the world. Go to Prayer Mountain to see the effects of prayer. And one of the observations when we look at this, Cho happened upon, is that praying people are known for something. Praying people are forgiving people. Oh, oh, that hurt. Hey, did that hurt? Zane, did that hurt? Yes, praying people are forgiving people. They're not vengeful. They're not cursing people. They don't pray against people. They bless. They pray for people. They learned long ago that there is a fountain within us, a fountain of forgiveness that leads to healing. I want to talk about forgiveness today. Then I'm going to tell you a story in the closing about what Yongi Cho told. We're going to call this Renewed Fountains. You know the drill if you've been part of this. If you're on YouTube, subscribe. Thankful. Thankful. We're getting a faithful group on YouTube. And uh, if you're on Facebook, Instagram, just like, follow, get the word out. Forgiveness is a fountain. Freely we have received. Freely we give. One of the ministries that operates out of our church, an unsung ministry, is a well drilling group. They drill water wells in a nation where we do a lot of ministry. In that country, there's a lot of oppression against Christianity. And when a person converts, they lose access to public services like water wells. So this group in our church will drill deep wells in front of our churches overseas. Post a sign, everyone's welcome, whosoever will. Yes, and what it does to people to have good water and a great well. You know, one of the things that intrigued me was an artesian well growing up. This free-flowing well didn't have to be. I didn't know I didn't know any physics of well. I didn't know that there were confined, unconfined aquifers that normally when you drill a well, you get down to the water table level. That's the unconfined aquifer. But if you punch through the rock and the clay, you can get into this confined aquifer where there's enough pressure that will force the water through the channel to the surface. That's called an artesian well. The word comes from a town in France, Artois, the old Roman city of Artesium, where wells were, could be found there, dating back to the Middle Ages. Forgiveness is a fountain. It flows. It doesn't have to be pumped. You don't have to coax it. You don't have to squeeze it out. It's a free-flowing well. Within. I'm going to talk about this fountain of forgiveness. In fact, I'm going to say fountains. Yes, because that's what happens 
There's the, there is so much water, healing water flowing from inside of your heart. Deborah, you're going to do this. Kirk, you're going to do this. You're going to, you're going to heal others through the fountains of forgiveness. David. David wrote seven psalms of repentance. 32nd Psalm is one of them. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. David described not being forgiven or showing forgiveness. When I kept silent, my bones grew old though my, through my groaning all the day long for day and night. Your hand was heavy on me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer, Selah. But then I acknowledged my sin to you. My iniquity I'm not hidden. I said, I'm going to confess my transgressions to the Lord. And Lord, you forgave me. And like David, we discovered that forgiveness has three fountains. Three beautiful fountains. Oh, I hope this blesses you today. I really do. Because I think this is a great way to start off the work week and the second, the second week of 21 days. I pray this blesses you. Let you, you know the first fountain. God forgives. It is divine forgiveness. That's the first fountain of forgiveness. You don't have to be haunted by the past. You don't have to be walk around feeling guilty the rest of your life. Shame can be expunged. You don't have to carry your transgressions and regret. God has something better for you. Yesterday's mistakes, that's clear. Yesterday, they're in your yesterday, not in your present, not in your future. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sins are covered, whose sin the Lord will never count against him. You know when David came face to face with his own failure, 2 Samuel 12, Psalm 51, his failure with Bathsheba and Uriah and the cover-up. He discovered when we cover our sins, we're not going to prosper. He came face to face and said, I and I alone have sinned. It was many years ago, the then governor of Texas visited one of our state prisons. He spoke to the inmates and said, hey, I'll stay around and talk to anybody that wants to. And one by one, the inmates, they lined up and began to talk to the governor. And each of them said something like, there's been a grave miscarriage of justice. I shouldn't be here. I'm an innocent man. I didn't do anything wrong. But one man came to the governor and said, governor, I'm guilty. I did what I did. I'm very ashamed of my past. But the years in this prison have helped me become a better person. One of these days, I'm going to get out. And I hope to prove to my friends and my family that I'm a changed man. Do you know that one man was pardoned that day? Any doubts who it was? When we own up to our past, our great governor of heaven, God unlocks our future and pardons us. As surely as Barabbas was set free, he sets us free today. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That is the first fountain of forgiveness. I'm sorry, those, those noises you just heard, let me explain those noises. I'm against a glass wall up here. Would you, would you like to see that glass wall? Here, I don't know if I can do this. Come on, let's see if we can do this. Um, 
Here's a glass wall. Let me get this camera loose, okay? Here's the glass wall that I'm up against, okay? That's my view every morning. Do you know why it's so hard for me to look at you guys? I, I get to see that view every morning. Well, that's facing north. Is that okay? I'm sorry if I did that. There we go. Let's get, let's get you back because some of you think really this, this thing, I'm sitting in front of a fountain and I've got to make sure you think that. And, um, but <laughs> sorry, that's the north wind blowing and it's hitting the alarm sensors on the glass and it's just going crazy. The wind is whistling behind me on the, on the balcony behind me. I mean, it's crazy up here, folks. Okay. Anyway. All right. Back. I'm back. I'm back. My eyes. <laughs> the first fountain of forgiveness is divine forgiveness. I want you to be forgiven. I, I hate it when I see people that have made mistakes hang their head in shame. I hate it. I hate it when someone in a church family goes out and does something crazy. Have we all been there? Amen. And then they come back and they feel like they've got a mountain to climb. Ye who are spiritual restore the fallen. Be an instrument. Splash. Dance in the fountain. When my grandkids will take them out to one of those splash pads walking through a public area, if they're going to hit the splash pad, I'm going to hit the splash pad. Because if someone is experiencing the joy of the fountain, I want to be there with them. Amen? Amen. That's the first, the first fountain of God's forgiveness is God's forgiveness. Then there's a second fountain. As you find the fountain of divine forgiveness swelling up in you, then you forgive others. We who have been forgiven of much, love much. Paul, Paul likened it to the change of garments. He said, you need to put on a garment of compassion. You need to cloak yourself in kindness. As the Lord has forgiven you, forgive others. Cover everything you do with a garment of love. Just like Noah's sons, Shem and Japheth, walking backwards to cover their father's shame. Forgiveness covers. Forgiveness does this. Forgive us our sins, O Lord, as we forgive those who sin against us. Hmm. What is forgiveness? I, I, I don't know if our teaching has been really good in this area. It's not approving. Forgiveness is not approving what another person did. It's not overlooking our own hurt. It's not ignoring, excusing, justifying, denying what they did. A lot of abuse has taken place. No, it's not denying that. Nor is it always being fully reconciled in the sense of restoring a relationship. Sometimes we can forgive, but that total restoration of relationship may never come. No, but just as we acknowledge that our failures hurt God, that I've sinned against God, we can admit that our other's failures have hurt us. We own up to our own failures and our own wounds, but we need to admit that we're hurting. Someone hurt us. Fully forgiving someone is not denial. It's realizing, yes, I've been hurt, but I'm going to forgive anyway. I'm not going to keep a record of wrongs. I'm not going to punish someone I'm not going to plot and scheme against that person. 
not going to try to take them down, nor will I just constantly share my hurt with others. No. Forgiveness is saying, I won't be bitter. I shall be merciful. I shall be gracious. The King James translation of that word gracious is gentle, gentle. When Paul wrote to the church in Caesarea Philippi, he addressed two women who were at odds with each other. And both women had been instrumental to Paul in spreading the gospel. Paul said, Philippians 4.2, I implore Euodia, I implore Suntike, be of the same mind in the Lord. You two women that have helped spread the gospel, be in the same mind in the Lord. What mind is that? It's the mind of Christ, the mind of the one who took on himself the form of the servant, the mind of the great God Almighty who humbled himself to the death of the cross, to be gracious, to be gentle, to let the fountain of forgiving others spring up inside of your heart. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Love suffers long. That's what Paul said. Love is giving everyone a get-out-of-jail-free card. Didn't you love that monopoly when you got one of those cards? You get out of jail. It's extending everyone a coupon that says the benefit of a doubt. God forgives us, fountain number one. We forgive others, fountain number two. And then fountain number three we really struggle with. We learn. We need to learn to forgive ourselves. I didn't even talk about that. I want to talk about We need to get these fountains renewed in our lives. Guilt is perhaps one of the most painful and hurtful emotions in our world today. I I remember as a young father trying to carve out a career and provide for my family. It was in a high growth, fast paced industry. I would be racked with guilt at the number of hours that I would have to spend. Oh, there it goes again. That I would have to spend trying to get ahead. Yeah, boy, it would just, I, and I could justify it. You know, I'm trying to get ahead, trying to establish my career. And I can even look back and try to justify it and say, well, those 100 hour weeks were great preparation for what I do now, but nah, it really was kind of a sorry way to live. Back then there was a popular song. Do you remember that song? I hate that song to this day. Cats in the Cradle. Child arrived just the other day, came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. And he learned to walk while I was away. Can you imagine? Can you imagine living a life of just total regret? Of walking around and seeing every relationship you have scarred and uh, feeling so guilty about it, feeling like I caused this and I prompted that. Can I, can I just tell you this? Can I tell you this? Parents, the Bible says that every man who's drawn in sin is enticed by their own lust. Yes, we can do things as parents to help our children grow up in the fear and the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but, but there comes a day when they make a decision, and I believe that a person that tries to pray and live for God, even if they're not the greatest parent in the world, they've sowed enough seeds of the kingdom. You can't live in guilt over the mistakes of yesterday. Learn to forgive yourself. Is that all right? Is that all right? How many people I know just need to forgive themselves? Yes, 
you know, I, to love others as yourself, that is the second commandment. And, but self enters into the picture. You, do you remember the Hemingway story about a young man named Paco? No, no, nobody remembered why Paco ran away from home. He wandered the streets of Madrid. He wanted to be a bullfighter. I mean, bullfighting was pretty, I mean, a short, short career to a novice. For all the wrong reasons, he chose that profession. He was just on a one-way street to self-destruction. And his dad couldn't let it happen. He tried something so desperate. He couldn't find Paco. So he put an advertisement in a local newspaper. And the advertisement read, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montaña at noon on Tuesday. All is forgiven love, Paco. Paco is a common name in Spain, a nickname for Francisco. Many men named Paco read that advertisement. And many responded such that when the dad arrived at the hotel on the appointed date and time, there were some 800 young men named Paco standing there. Everybody wants to be forgiven. Everybody wants things right. For every prodigal named Paco or anyone else carrying a burden of guilt and shame, regretting what was said, ashamed over what was not said, wandering with emotional homelessness, destructive, risky behaviors, leading them onto a self-destruction course for every person like that. Oh, how I wish they could find these fountains that God forgives, that we can forgive others, and then we can forgive ourselves. You can be fully forgiven. You can renew those fountains to get those fountains flowing again in your life. This is a story that I promised I would close with. It's a story that I've been reading The Fourth Dimension by Yangi Cho and just gone back to that old book. And I just forgot so much in that book when I read it first time. He told of a struggling church member one day who prayed and prayed. She was in a group of people that were all praying for miracles. Every one of them received their miracle, but she did not. Crippling arthritis inexplicably had entered her body so quickly. She was in so much pain. Yes. Well, something you need to understand about Cho, and I would say about our Pentecostal forefathers. They believe that many times, not all the times, but many times that our physical sicknesses were caused by spiritual problems. If a merry heart does good like a medicine, a broken spirit dries the bones. And as David said in the 32nd Psalm, my bones were dried within me. Cho believed you could be sick spiritually when manifest itself physically. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Gina, Vicky, does that make sense? The woman was in the group that had prayed for healing. All had been remarkably healed, but this inexplicable crippling arthritis hit her. Cho was just so puzzled by it all. And he took it to the Lord in prayer. And after some days and some prayers, God spoke to Cho and said, I cannot flow out of that woman because she hates her former husband. Yeah. Cho shared that with the woman and, and said, the Lord told me that every day you curse him, you hate him, and that hatred is destroying you and drying up your bones, and no doctor is going to cure you. She disagreed. Then she let loose on this tirade of everything the man had done, and 
Chell Toner said, I understand he hurt you. I don't justify that. But the healing that you're seeking is not going to come out of the sky. It's going to come from within you as a fountain springing up. And you've hindered the flow of God through hatred. 